At this time in our service, I'd like to ask James and Tanya to come on up, and if they'd like to bring Avery, they have a desire to dedicate Avery to the Lord, but she's going in the other direction. <laughs> come on up, guys. It's different looking at everybody from up here. Trust us. (laughs) She's good. Well, you guys have expressed a desire to publicly present Avery to the Lord and in the presence of this church family to dedicate both yourselves and also your daughter to the Lord and to encourage her to know the Lord and to experience what it means to embrace the greatness of who God is. So, parenthood is an amazing opportunity, and it's a super privilege. And um, I've got four boys, love them to pieces. You have your daughters, you guys love them to pieces, and we love them like crazy. And at the same time, as they come into our lives, we recognize this also now comes with huge responsibility, because all of a sudden, uh, we're holding a little one in our hands, and we know we're responsible for all the stuff that goes into their life. And and part of that is also encouraging our kids to know the Lord and to walk with him. And so as you do that, I just would like to read some scripture and then just ask you guys a couple questions. Fair enough? Very good. So the word of God, the scripture, says a number of things, and I just want to read some excerpts, and we've heard these before, but I want to read them again. But they deal with the importance of, of childhood and, and raising our kids. And it says, children are a gift from God. That's from Psalm 27. And then whoever receives and welcomes a little child in Jesus' name receives and cares for God's child. And it says, is it not the Father's will that even one child should be lost to him. Therefore, hear, O people of God, listen closely and obey the commands of God that you may be blessed in your child rearing. It says, The Lord is our God and him alone. You must love him with all of your heart and soul and strength. Always thinking about the Lord's guidance to you. Teach his word to your children. Talk over the things of his word when you are at home or out walking at bedtime and before breakfast. Let your whole life give evidence that God's word is at the center of your life and their lives. And then a different area in Psalm 127. It says, Your attempts to raise a family without God's help will be wasted for you are not able on your own to impart the eternal and unchanging dimension of life to your child. Unless he is born also the Spirit of God, he will not, in fact, cannot be a part of God's kingdom. And then Jesus The disciples were trying to chase the kids away because they thought they were a distraction. And yet Jesus said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. Now, one of the things I've learned raising kids is that kids always wait to those crazy times to ask questions. So, bedtime, this is when they ask the deep questions of life. When you're giving them chores, then they ask other questions of life. They they, they pick crazy times. Or you're trying to run out the door. you got something going on. Mom, Dad. And learning to pause and wait and stop and look for those moments to speak into your kids' lives are huge. And so I would encourage you, 
to be attuned to that. A couple questions. Your presence here gives indication of your intent and so that your purpose can be clear to all, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Do you publicly present Avery to God in recognition of the high privilege and unique responsibility that God has granted you as her parents? I do. Yes. All right. <laughs> this is what we mean. <laughs> we got a nice smile, though. She'll share that with you guys later. Do you promise to commit yourselves to teach Amy the truths and calling of the Christian faith? And will you, through purposeful prayer and intentional life choices, seek to lead Avery to a personal faith in God through Jesus Christ? Yes. Okay. You guys are going to be her key teachers. It's amazing to me. Our kids will listen to the teachers at schools. She loves listening to the folk over here. But our kids are going to come home and they're going to watch us and they're going to listen to us. And in years to come, just as you might do at certain times, you'll stop and you'll say to yourself, oh my goodness, I'm hearing my mom or I'm hearing my dad coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's going to do the same. Because you guys are the key teachers. And so I want to encourage you in that journey to really own that and take a hold of that. As a church family, we're also going to be speaking into her life. And so we've already had some privilege and opportunity in speaking into her life through, through the daycare, and, which is really kind of cool. And, but again, I think over the years and over time, as we continue to get to know Avery and as we continue to get to know Tanya and James, we're going to have those opportunities to speak into their lives and also into Avery's life. And so, so they can understand... Uh, I want to just share this. You have heard both James and Tanya's declaration of their desire to present Avery to the Lord and to dedicate themselves to her Christian nurture. And they have also requested our commitment as God's people to assist them in their efforts. I got to tell you, it's amazing to me how as a father, I have seen other people say the same things to my kids that I've said repeatedly. And then after someone else says it, they go, oh. In fact, one time we had this whole conversation with one of our sons. I won't go into the whole detail. A year later, our son comes home and he goes, mom, dad, did you know? We only had that conversation a year prior. Okay, so it was amazing how other people speak into the lives of our kids. And it's huge. So having others help you. And I would intentionally look for others to speak into my boys' lives because they, while they listen to us again and again and again, they sometimes get deaf to us. So having others who affirm and encourage those words that we want to impart is really huge. So Lord willing, over these coming years, we will maybe become surrogate grandmas and grandpas at different times or aunts and uncles will be teachers and helpers Um, I want to encourage you guys she's doing good she's doing exactly what she's supposed to do (laughs) that's right (laughs) this is the fun and now she knows she has an audience (laughs) 
<laughs> but if you guys are willing to say, yes, I'm going to be willing to be a voice, I'm going to be willing to be an encouragement, and we've done this at different times, but I would invite you to stand and to acknowledge for them that you guys have support. Okay? This is one of the cool things. We don't have to take this journey on our own. All right? Can I pray for you guys? Father, I want to come this morning right now. I want to pray for Avery. Father, as she is young and just the beginning of her life journey. But Father, it's really exciting to see just energy and excitement and curiosity. Father, I would just ask that you would watch over her, that you would bless her, that your hand would rest upon her life. And that, Father, she would become, that you would become extremely real and meaningful to her in her life journey. Father, for Tanya and James, as they raise their daughter and as they speak into their, her life, and Father, as they partner together in this process, Father, I would ask that you would give them wisdom and discernment. Father, I would ask that you would give them patience and understanding. Father, I would ask that you would give them insight and the ability to pause at those times when they need to pause and also those times to lean in when she needs mom and dad to lean in. Father, just guide them. Father, give them ears to hear you, a willingness to listen to you, a willingness to follow. Guide their steps and strengthen them for the task before them. And Father, we ask that you would enfold them and that you would embrace them. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Part of the fun parts of life. All right. Well, I've really enjoyed the music team and as they led, and it's really kind of cool as they talked at the end and sang at the end, talking about love. And we're going to move in that direction this morning. And also as we're talking about the issues of hope. So last week we kind of started the conversation as we talked about Jesus and how God gave us hope by giving us a Savior. And we're going to look at that again a little bit this morning. But as we continue that conversation of hope, and as we continue to think about what happens over the Christmas season, have you experienced at times in your life how things break? And I would say in particular, how we find at different times breaks in relationships and breaks in connection with others. So it's interesting. I won't pick on the individual, but in the office this morning, one person was talking about being at the doctor's office and listening to the conversation going on around them. And it wasn't kind. The way people spoke about one another, the way that others spoke about other individuals taking place, this is just in the doctor's office. 
Maybe you experience this in other places where you work, where you go into work and you cringe as you start to walk through the door because you walk through the door, you know it's not always a happy and pleasant experience. Because why? Because there's negative comments, there's, there's hostile attitudes, there's criticism, there's critique. And people who you would love to see work together, people you'd love to see who get together and, and function as a team, don't seem to be able to do that because they're too busy fighting and bickering and poking and picking. And they're being unkind. And then we often see that in families. And so while we look at Christmas as this amazing time of year when we get together to be with family and to enjoy family, at the same time, many come to Christmas and they cringe at Christmas because they're going to have to be with family. Or because they have broken relationships in their family. And so Christmas is a reminder to them of those things that are broken, those things that are lost, those things that are hurt. I want to encourage you this morning with the fact that we can see and have a hope of seeing those things that are broken healed. We can have a hope of seeing those things that life has tried to rip apart or that life has tried to break being mended and made well. Before we do that, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll jump into the scriptures together. Let's do that. Father, as we come together this morning and as we prepare to look at your word and as we prepare to think about what it says about who we are in Jesus and what we have as through our Savior, and then, Father, also as we get to think about what it is you can do in us and through us as you work in us and through us, Father, I would just ask that you would guide our time, that you'd be honored in our time, that you'd be glorified in our time, But that, Father, also in this journey, we would be strengthened and encouraged. So, Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, I want to look at 1 Peter, and there's a section of 1 Peter that I really want to talk talk about, but it's interesting. So when you look at, and you don't have to go there on the screen, but you can see that in your notes. And so what I did this morning is in the bowls, and I printed out the verses we're going to look at, because I love using things on the screen, but the challenge on using things on the screen is you often get one or two verses at a time, and you can't always kind of go back and forth. So I printed things out. Now, one of the things I want you to notice here, go down to the verse, the second set of verses, and you're going to see that first word there. Therefore. That first word, therefore, tells you that there's a conversation that's going on. There's something that's happening here that we need to think about. And the rest of what's going to happen is connected to what came before. So a few weeks ago, as we were walking through the scriptures and talking about the scriptures, we we said one of the things that's important as we approach the word and as we think through scripture is to think about the context. So if we want to look at verses 13 to 25, I wanted to first look at the context of what happens first. So let's read through that. We can see that there. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verses, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 12. And as Peter is writing to the church, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. 
And again, as we talk about this, we're talking about living in a season of hope. And again, the hope is that God can restore many things that are broken. But also, as we talked last week, God, we have the hope of forgiveness. We have the hope of eternal life. And we are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's a mouthful. But it's talking about the amazingness of what God has done. An amazing salvation, amazing forgiveness from God that we have through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus. Now, it says, who by God's power we are being guarded through, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Now as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I look at my faith and I get to live out aspects of my faith and I get to experience components of it. But what it's saying there is that there's something coming that's way better and so much more amazing than what I've experienced right now. Maybe a good example of that, getting married. Just a slight hint. Okay? I dated Joan. I had fun hanging out with Joan. I asked her to get married to me. She said yes, amazingly. Okay? And then you get married. And you find that I found that being married was so much better than just dating. We got to spend so much more time together. And then over the years, as we have been together, 35 years and going, it's been so great and wonderful to see our marriage and our relationship grow and deepen. And it's becoming more and more and better and better and better. It's a great thing. Now, I use that as an example, but the truth of the matter is, it's a poor example to the amazing greatness to what God has for us in his salvation for us and what he has planned for us in eternity. Now, not because my marriage isn't good. My mar- I really love being married to my wife and I think I have a really good marriage. The, the fact it doesn't measure up well is because the comparability just doesn't, it doesn't scale. Because the amazingness of what God has planned for us, it will blow our mind when it all happens, kind of thing. That's what he's saying. We have this, an amazing salvation that will be revealed to this. It says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And the reality of life is being talked about here. Right now, we, we wrestle through things, we have trials and things, and this is where things get broken. This is where things break. Now, go down to verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. 
it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to, into which angels long to look. So he starts this conversation talking about the reality that we have an amazing salvation. God has done amazing stuff. It blows my mind to think that God planned from the beginning of creation to send Jesus to die on the cross, to take our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven and so that we could be reconciled to the Father. It blows my mind that God planned for that, God intended for that. And then we read through Scripture, we talked about this last week, as we talk about the hope of a Savior and the hope of salvation, all through history and all through time, God communicated. And as in a, in a vernacular of the day, God kept on dropping Easter eggs through, through Scripture, letting us know literally what Jesus was going to do at Easter. Literally letting us know that God was going to send a Savior who's going to provide forgiveness of sin, hints, clues, indications, information, letting us know that something more was planned. And now finally Jesus has come. And we have this amazing, amazing salvation, forgiveness of sin. And, and one day, we're going to open the box. Maybe another way of talking about this is this way. Any of you here deal with Christmas stockings on Christmas? Yeah, it was fun. You come downstairs, for, me, for, me, for us as a kid, we didn't see anything under the tree until Christmas morning. Nothing. We didn't even put the tree up until Christmas Eve. We went to bed, we would put a piece of tinsel on the tree, we put a, a ball on the tree, and then we went to bed. And so when we came downstairs Christmas morning, it was like magic happened. And Christmas had arrived. The tree was decorated, presents under the tree, but also hanging over near the fireplace on the mantle were the stockings. And so we would get in and we could all go in and we could open up the stockings and we would take all the things out of the stockings and it was great. It was fun opening the stocking. But the stocking was just the prelude. The stocking was just a small indication that something more was going to happen. So in the stocking, maybe it's true, like true for you guys too, periodically... We, I grew up in a house that was an old, old, old house, stone foundation. We had a furnace downstairs that used to heat the house with coal. So we had coal downstairs. So every once in a while, we'd find a piece of coal in our stocking. So, so that, was, that was kind of a typical thing. But then you'd get those things that were okay. You might get a stick of deodorant in there. You might get a thing of tissues in there, maybe something all very functional. You get some nuts and candies and other kind of stuff. You get these little things, maybe one or two little things to open up. And But it was all the prelude. You were looking towards sitting down and then starting to open the presents. In the prelude, we get to enjoy the prelude, but in that period of time, there's also tension. But one day, Jesus is coming again. We're going to get to be with him forever. 
And so he talks about the reality of the forgiveness of sin, the reality of our salvation, and then he goes in and he says, therefore, in light of this amazing salvation that we have, in light of this amazingness of what God has done to provide a Savior for us and to deal with the issue of sin and so that we can be reconciled to the Father, he says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But I want to pause and have you really catch what's going on here at the beginning. We're being challenged to prepare our minds for action. We're encouraged to be sober-minded. And we're being encouraged to hope fully and grab a hold fully of the grace that has been given to us. And then he continues. He says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, on the bottom of the page, a couple weeks ago we talked about the fruit of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. So I want you to just notice that down there. Galatians 5.1 at the bottom, very bottom of the page, right over here. And it's not on the screen, so don't worry about that. I'm not trying to hide it from you. I'm just going to go right there. It says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. This is where all that stuff happens that causes things to break. This is where all that stuff happens, where things get, get crushed and destroyed, where relationships get fractured. Because as we function in our natural inclination, we tend to be selfish. We, we want things the way we want it. We, we, when someone hurts us, we want to hurt back. When someone annoys us, we want to annoy back. But what he is saying here, and what he's encouraging us to do, is to not function based upon the natural inclination of our heart. So again, let me read that. So as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear through your time of your exile until you get to glory, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. All that stuff is futile that we read in Galatians. Not with perishable things such as silver and gold, the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. I skipped over sections. Forgive me. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God and raised from the dead and give him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, here's where it gets fun. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. 
since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. We are encouraged to love each other, and we're empowered to love one another. This is what God does for us through the gospel, and this is what God does for us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the ability to set aside that stuff that destroys, to set aside those things that hurt, to set aside those things that give pain. And he gives us the opportunity to to take up through the presence and through the work of the Spirit of God to take ownership of those things that bring healing, to take ownership of those things that bring life, to take ownership of those things that bring restoration. If you want... Flip over the page of your notes. And we have this passage of scripture that many people read. This is one of those passages of scripture that often gets quoted at weddings. And we don't always take some time to pause and look at it and think about it. It's 1 Corinthians 13. And it says, But if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love... I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Pause. What did he say back there? And first Peter, but having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. What is God enabling us to do? He's enabling us to really love. And then we come to that section of verses that people like to quote. It says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hope all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we are, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Talking about when Jesus comes and those things we don't know and don't understand, our lack of understanding is going to disappear because we're going to see Jesus and we're going to know fully. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And again, do we want to live in the childish way or the new way? For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So, now, faith, hope, and love abide. But three, these three, but the greatest of these is love. It's amazing when we start to let God work in us and through us and when we start to let the Spirit of God work in our life. 
Now, if you go down to the bottom of the page, you're going to see now not the fruit of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit. What do you see what the fruit of the Spirit is? First of all, what? Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. See, as we look at the Christmas season, as we look at the things that God has come to do, things that Jesus was seeking to accomplish in us and through us, it's not just about the coming of the Savior being born as a baby. It really was focused on Easter. And so Christmas is a time we celebrate his coming, we celebrate his birth, but Easter is when we celebrate the fact that Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, he died on that cross of Calvary, and he carried our guilt, he carried our shame, but then he also gave us the ability to live and experience life differently. We talk with friends, sometimes our kids ask questions, and they ask questions, why do people hate each other? And, and they talk to us about these really ugly things that happen in life. And, and they ask, why does that happen? Where does hatred come from? Where does This person at school is being mean to me. Why are they being mean to me? We have a co-worker. This co-worker just seems to want to just make my life miserable. Why do they want to do that? And we ask ourselves, where does this stuff come from? Why does this stuff exist? Well, it's the reality of sin. And it's that list that we read about in the beginning of Galatians, that the list that starts at verse 19. That's where that stuff comes from. It's that stuff that people, because of that sinfulness that resides within them, they don't want to act kind. They don't always want to be nice. No, they love the people they want to love, and if you're not on their love list, you're on their other list, which isn't a good list. And so they feel okay being nasty. They feel okay treating you badly. They feel okay gossiping and slandering or tearing you down. Those things are totally okay because you're not on their love list. You're on their other list. And what has Jesus come to do? Jesus has come to change how we interact with each other. And Jesus is telling us, listen, you should only have a love list. That other list... You can get rid of that other list. That other list, you don't need to use that list anymore. In fact, all those people on that other list, that list you don't like, that list that you want to be nasty with, I want you to take all their names and I want you to put all their names on the love list. And I want you to love them. I want you to care about them. I want you to treat them kindly. And we come back to the language again of, of, of what it means to love. He says, so I want you to be patient and I want you to be kind. So when they are annoying you and when they are irritating you and you want to pull your hair and scream at them, and I know none of us have ever felt that way about anybody, when that happens, what is, what is Jesus saying? I want you to practice kindness and patience. 
Because in that moment, that's when you want to put them down. At that moment, that's when you want to pick at something and just jab them and hurt them because they're annoying you. But I want you to love. I want you to not be boastful and proud. You ever have those conversations with people? And maybe sometimes you feel like it's a competition because you want to talk about something, but they're busy talking. And you're kind of saying to yourself at times, would you just be quiet? Would you please just shut up? Because I have something I want to say that I'm really happy about. And you're really annoying me. We're going back to the lack of patience and annoyance. Because I want to talk about something that I think is really cool and something really happened that's fun in my day. And you're not stopping talking. And what do we need to do? Learn to chill. And it's not about us and our being able to boast or be proud. But learning to love. And what's amazing, again, going back to what he said in 1 Peter, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And what is God doing? And what does he seek to provide in us and through us through the finished work of what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary? To rewrite how we interact. To redefine how we engage with one another. So that we learn to engage with one another and to interact with one another through love. Something crazy happens when we start to treat people with love. Initially, they don't react. They think, oh, they don't have the energy or the will or desire to fight back. Or they just feel empowered to kind of pile on a little bit more. But then they start to realize that no, they're, they're not just feeling weak or intimidated or bullied. This, they're, they're actually choosing to be kind. They're actually choosing to be gracious. They're actually choosing to be patient. They're actually choosing to treat me in a loving way. And as that starts to permeate and as that starts to to filter into relationships, it starts to change how people then start to react and interact with one another. It's amazing how kindness encourages kindness. How graciousness encourages graciousness. How choosing not to be rude encourages others not to be rude. Again, as you go through the list, not insistent on their own way. Has anyone ever struggled with that? Yeah, all of us have. Okay? I I ask you to raise your hand if it is, but my hand is already up. Okay? Because I know how that works. Because we want our agenda. And what happens? We're being encouraged to think about what's important to someone else before we make ourselves the priority. 
And this is what Jesus does. And this is, this is how Jesus is seeking to rewrite through the finished work of Calvary how we interact and how we deal with one another. And the hope is that as we start to allow Jesus to rewrite how we interact and how we treat one another, it changes the environment. Now, can we compel someone to respond kindly and graciously to love? Are you convinced of that? We can't. We can't fully compel someone to respond graciously and kindly to love. But what is amazing is that as we allow God to start to rewrite our heart attitudes, as we allow God to start to reshape how we think, how we interact, what drives the internal parts of us, it starts to change how we react and respond to them, even though, and now instead of being ticked off that they're not responding in love, instead of being annoyed that they're not responding graciously, we start to feel sad because we are understanding that they are missing out and that they live with stress, they live with anxiety, they live with anger, and they live with that stuff that just grinds them on the inside. But we've been able to learn by applying God's word to our life to not have it grind anymore. And we're starting to experience the the forgiveness and the grace and the goodness of God in our lives. Why? Because we're applying the word of God. I want to come back to one of the things he said up above because I thought it was so important. Might get my computer to cooperate with me. Well, I'll go right here. He said, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. That's the challenge that I want to encourage you with as we look and we think about what Jesus has provided for us. I come back and I look at that list in 1 Corinthians 13. I need to choose to be patient. I need to choose to be kind. I need to choose not to envy or boast. I need to choose not to be rude. I need to choose not to be irritable. And I need to choose not to be resentful. Those all flow from choices that I make. But this is what's cool. We come down, we look at the fruit of the Spirit. As we rest in the power of God, in the presence of God, we lean on His care, we lean on His power to live these things out. God works in us and through them, empowering and enabling us to make those choices. And what do we get to experience in life? We get to experience the forgiveness of God. We get to experience the love of God. We get to experience the powerful presence of God in our lives. And that is hope. 
And that's one of the things that God offers to us as we think about Christmas. And that's one of those amazing things that flows from his forgiveness in the coming of Jesus. God desires that we would know love and that we would experience the power and the presence of his love in our lives. And that through that, relationships are restored, our heart attitudes are healed, and God does great things. Let's pray together. Father, I want to say thank you so very much again this morning for the richness and goodness of your kindness. Father, for the amazingness of your salvation that you give to us through Jesus. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done, for all that you have provided. And Father, I would ask that you would help us to rest in the hope of this amazing love that you want to see lived out in us and through us. Father, to be able to live a life with that hope that we can experience transformation, that we don't have to be stuck with those things that bring pain and sorrow, but we can move beyond. Father, thank you so very much for your goodness to us in Jesus. Amen.